welcome to Let Your Life Echo, where each week we'll chat with friends from across the U.S., sharing stories of prayer, theology, community, and apostolic work, unpacking what we think are the keys to sainthood. Hi, everybody. My name is Rob Goodale. I'm the host of today's episode of our podcast, and I'm joined uh, remotely from Minnesota, joined by Jenny and Jonah Lippert, Uh Good friends of the podcast. Jenny has been a guest before. Jonah is one of our first fans. Um, and so we're excited Woo-hoo! to talk with them today. And and uh, when I lived with jo- with Jenny in community out in Utah, uh, it was one of my first experiences of, of discovering Advent as a liturgical season that came with its own practices and not just the sort of weird waiting period before Christmas. And so we're going to talk about Advent today. Um which is seasonally appropriate, you know. That's always what we try to do here at Let Your Life Echo. So, um, first of all, before we get into the the nitty-gritty, how are you guys doing? Uh-oh, are you there? <laughs> are you there? Here we, we are. are. All right, so I asked how you guys were doing, and then I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we're waiting. It's Advent. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, the internet is a wonderful gift. It is. We're great. We're great. We just got done uh, watching a musical uh, that some of my students were performing in, which was Annie, and it was brilliant. So that was a lot of fun, a good mm-hmm. way to observe mm-hmm. our Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we got done with a very, very packed week of things. So today has been a gift. So yeah, we're good. How are you, uh, Rob? Yeah, I'm that's delightful. First of all, it sounds really fun. I love Annie. It's great. Um, I'm doing well. My roommate Sean and I just got a, a 10 foot tall Christmas tree yesterday. Nice. Um, we went to, out to a tree farm and uh, it was pouring down rain. So we got very wet, but the excitement of, of the experience of going hunting for a Christmas tree was plenty to keep us warm as long as we, we kept moving. Um, so we're, we're excited about that. We're like, we got the tree put up yesterday and we're decorating it as we a little bit by bit as we go along this week um which is always fun like it's it's fun to as i as i find myself in new places with new people to find new ways to celebrate the seasons of advent and christmas and so um that was the highlight of my weekend we went out and found a 10 foot tall tree i really like that you say hunting i know and that's i mean that's just good common parlance for getting a tree but like the notion that they would like shuffle from the aisle they're in if you're not looking you know, sort of <laughs> looney tunes style like they're getting away from you and you're hunting them down well they're very elusive yeah and then when you when you find one and then you move move on to look for other ones then it's really hard to find the same tree again yeah it's it's very demanding <laughs> I can just imagine like the tree NR or whatever, like making sure you properly <laughs> tagged yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a hunt. It's forced segue. You ever feel like Advent is a hunt? <laughs> oh, like a searching for something that's somewhat elusive and is uh is mostly about your own patience. Is that what sorry where you were headed? Yeah, also also that, right. that aspect of the hunt, if you were hunting with really, really good buddies. And like you were to go out there and you were to like start with coffee in your really, really nice stand or whatever. And then like midway through the day, you realize, oh, where'd the time go? It's almost time to go home. And we haven't even really loaded our guns yet. <laughs> I feel like Advent can be that way sometimes too, like a, a hunt where you can actually forget what it was you were searching for in the first place, mm-hmm. what you were waiting for. And like just in, enjoy the season, which is like both good and I would say problematic. It's, it's odd that like letting yourself 
chill would would actually keep you from soaking things in. But sometimes I feel like that's the case. And that's one of the things I'm most uh, most Catholic about it is the wrong way to say it. Most grateful to be Catholic about is the fact that the, the church just comes out and says, no, you will act differently during this season. Or here, put it this way. We invite you to act differently during this season, even though Jesus is Lord all through the year. And he's always coming to see you. And he always wants to take on your humanity. It's like, mm. it's really good if you actually act differently right at this time. Because otherwise, time just gets away from me. Absolutely. And it's buried in there in what you were saying. I think it sounds like is this paradox of like Advent is a season of waiting, but not just like sitting around shooting the breeze and killing time. It's sort of an active waiting, which is this sort of uh, it's both passive and active. I don't know if that sounds that's what I picked up in what you were saying. I don't know if that was something you did on purpose or not. No, I didn't. I didn't do it on purpose, but like. It is funny because we're like always searching for things and we're always being passive. Like the fact that I live by breathing, I always have to take things in. Like I'm constantly passive, but I'm constantly active too. And actually a lot of that dynamic in my life, like that rhythm just just goes completely unconsciously by. But if I was to really, (laughs) with all these meditations, if you you ever sign up for a meditation thing, like headspace or, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Like they're always, they always get you to focus on your breathing, like the dynamics of how you're taking things in and how you're breathing them back out. And I feel like Advent is very much like that. Like stop the passivity that you've been engaging in this entire time and actually contemplate what it is that's being given to you and ask yourself, like, am I actually intensifying my appreciation for what I need and what's being given to me? And am I ready for like the gift to come in a very signal way? Hmm. Yeah, it's like that. It's it's mindfulness instead of mindlessness, maybe. At the risk of being somewhat obtuse on purpose, what is it that we are receiving and waiting for and, and anticipating? What is Advent for? Jesus, Mr. Goddard. It's always the right answer, right? <laughs> As theology teachers, uh, we know that I don't know. to be true. I don't know. Somehow that was like a universal thing that every catechist in the entire world taught in like like fifth grade so all of my students say that every single day I'm like well if i don't know then i just just say jesus because jesus is the answer to everything i'm like no Wrong. i mean kind of it's concupiscence you need to keep going <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. can make up a fake etymology for it and then break it down that way odd ventus coming from the word odd meaning to or toward and ventus meaning it blows by like the wind <laughs> That is not That's the not etymology. how it comes. How, what is- I mean, I would totally buy that. Though. Oh, yeah. You're very oh, convincing. As opposed to lente, which means slow advent goes so fast. <laughs> He's amazing at balderdash. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, or maybe not so obviously, in the rush of our cultural world, we're waiting for Jesus to come. Um But I think in my own discovery of Advent or my rediscovery of Advent as an adult, um, my mind was kind of blown that like we're not pretending that Jesus hasn't been born and waiting for baby Jesus to like be born because he already was born. um, But like the waiting is still actually really real. And like we're really actually waiting for Jesus to come again. Um, And the gospel reading... Um, the first Sunday of Advent gospel reading that we heard 
this morning, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. not when this podcast comes out, but first Sunday of Advent about, you know, all of these end times predictions and like being ready and, you know, the, the terrible things that are going to occur and the, like it's a reminder that um, actually we are, we are waiting and we are waiting for Jesus to actually come. We're not waiting for baby Jesus to be born in a manger again, even though we recall, right, we enter into the waiting of all of God's people from all of time, um, that we, we've been waiting for this coming along with the Israelites, along with the Jewish people, mm-hmm. but that, you know, it's not like this fake pretend waiting. I'm actually like Jesus could come tonight. Actually, I want to say something there because I like what you said about it. We're not expecting him in the manger, but we kind of are. And I, because we're actually expecting him everywhere. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about um, Advent in particular is that if Jesus is here the whole time, part of the fact that our Lord came down and was born in the lowliest state possible, ignored by almost everybody except like two sets of people, the poor and the, and, and like the extremely esoterically privileged who were doing their jobs and and searching, and that they had their they had their eyes and their ears open. The shepherds on the hillside and the wise men watching the sky, and those are the ones who heard. It. And they did find him in a manger. And it's like there's no part of my life where he can't make his appearance, including a manger. And I and I think that's one of the the great gifts of Advent as well. Is um, I, again, I love being Catholic because the seasons mean that the church. Uh, helps me not to get bored with life in the sense that I feel stuck in a rut. Like the moment that manger starts to become just a manger, um, the church says, ah, but it could also be a crib for God. (laughs) Or, or to quote your wife to her, Mm. a tabernacle. Oh, 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 Uh, sweet poetry. I was prepared for this and I probably should have warned you it was coming. A year ago, Jenny wrote this uh, blog post or an essay for a project that she and I were working on um, about finding Jesus in the tabernacle and making connections to that being Jesus like in utero during this period of waiting before the birth of Christ's nativity. And I think that that's like what you're talking about is like this third, because we're waiting obviously for the, the sort of eschatological end time final second coming we are kind of uh, in in memory waiting with mary and with the uh with the entire nation of israel for the first coming but we're also like you said jonah is like like we're taking a moment to become attentive to the the coming of christ which is constantly happening through us and that jesus wants to the same way that uh he took a human nature in his mother, he wants to continue to do that in each of us too. Like Rob, you're an extension of the people of Israel. How do you feel about that? Like the Jews have been waiting for this promise forever. And now it's like, you're an extension of that promise and fulfillment. I also wait. Right? Whoa. It's so cool. (laughs) So what do you do while waiting? Like, that's what I was going to ask you. What What do we do? That's cheap. You just turned it around. (laughs) I'm the host. I'm the host. Who's interviewing you here? Host rules. Um, What do we do while we're waiting? Um, I suppose I like your active passivity thing. Like Mm. when you breathe, like you really, you can take a breath of air in such a way that it becomes sweeter than candy. Like it, you just like, you soak it in, especially on one of these cool nights and you breathe in, you're like, oh my gosh, a divine gift. Leave the nectar and ambrosia on the table. Give me air. (laughs) 
and you ask yourself like, what is, what is this sweet hungering and fulfillment simultaneously of relating, relating to Jesus who's coming? It's like going on a date with a person you're not yet married to, who you haven't yet consummated your relationship, but like the relating is going on right there. And the hunger is part of the sweetness of the relationship. It's just like, ah, the deep is crying out to the deep and the other deep is responding. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, there's also something I think I'm, I'm not a person who likes winter, particularly once Christmas has come and gone. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm done with all of this winter coldness, snow, <laughs> frigidity. Um, but I think that there's something and I suppose it's not an accident um, because as you said, in the winter months, as it gets cold here in the Northern hemisphere, um, that cold breath can often like be shocking and, and wake you up as you walk outside the first, like the first inhale of, of frigid air is like alarming almost. Um, and it, like you said, calls attention to something you've been breathing in the entire time. Right? I hope, I hope. But uh, as you enter into the cold air like it it calls attention to something that's already been happening and um you know i think we can talk more about why christmas and therefore then why advent take place in december in the the coldest and darkest of the months um like theologically uh but i think that there's something to that why do like why does that happen well because as my students are fond of saying to me, you know, Jesus probably wasn't even really born in December. <laughs> it's it's true, though. I mean, it's it's but uh, like, who knows? I don't know. I know what Aaron Eckhart would say. The night is always darkest just before the dawn. But I mm. promise you, the dawn is coming. Was that Harvey Dent? It is. Oh, yeah. Dark yeah. I was going to say, who the heck is Aaron Eckhart? OK. The savior oh, that we needed. But not the one that we deserved. That oh that's true. That's so that you inverted the Batman thing. Mm-hmm. That actually works. Indeed. Um, all right. So December, <laughs> the winter solstice is December twenty first. I think it. I think it depends on the year. Maybe sometimes it's twenty one. Sometimes it's twenty two. I think that. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, the days are getting shorter as we are reminded. Uh, dolefully every day at like 3 p.m. when it's nighttime and you feel like it's time to go to sleep and I still have another hour of work at that point and it's basically the worst. Um, but it is very fitting that the days are getting darker and darker and shorter and shorter um, and that the crux of that when it changes is right around Christmas time and so um in some ways, right, the world is getting colder and darker and mm-hmm, not to be dramatic, mm-hmm. but really like more hopeless and dead, seeming more and dead. Old. Right. And so then um, we get to Christmas and the light is reentering the world. I'm going to get pretentious and quote two people with with double um, initials in their names. Um, T.S. Yes. Eliot and G.K. Chesterton. And T.S. Eliot uh, wrote Murder in the Cathedral, and part of it happens like right around Christmas time when St. Thomas Becket is about to be martyred by the king's men, and the chorus of peasants keep on making these weird interlude or these weird asides about the nature 
that is seen at Christmas at that time and how everything is dead and all the harvests of men, men's hopes, the natural promise that the world held was not enough. And we see ourselves empty and dry unless some other new form of life can spring into the world. There is no hope for another season or for a season of meaning to like infuse it all in. Chesterton says something similar in The Everlasting Man when he talks about all the cultures of the pagans that had reached their, their apex. They'd reached the pinnacle of what they could achieve in the Roman Empire, and it still wasn't enough to save man from despair and the darkness of old age and cynicism was descending on the world when our Lord came because human nature, humanity was not enough without divinity attached. And I think that's it's a beautiful thing that we have that with the summer, with the winter solstice at the same time. Like it's only going to, we've reached about as dark as we can get actually. The, the year has reached a turning point. Hmm. And that's the moment where the, the light shines in the darkness. Hmm. St. John. Yo. What? It, it makes me think too of um, in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which I teach, um, there are a number of prophecies that we go through during Advent. Um, so for the listeners who don't know, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is catechesis for, uh, well, the, the level that I teach is three to six-year-olds, um, a Montessori-based catechesis. And um, we go through some of the prophecies um, from Isaiah during Advent and the one um, that happens every year is the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And um, with the group of these three to six-year-olds, we reflect on that. And it's really beautifully profound to hear what they have to say um, because, you know, we, we just talk about, well, what does it mean to be in darkness? How, how do you think, I wonder how it would feel to be in darkness and just the answers they give, oh, I'd be really scared or I might be sad or, you know, and it's just these beautifully simple. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. humanity was scared. Humanity was sad. Like, um, and, and what is, you know, I wonder what this great light is that is coming and, you know, oh, I bet it's going to be really wonderful. And just like this childlike sense of, of waiting for something, um, really beautiful and and waiting in more a more profound way than just like we're getting excited for Christmas like let's make our lists and let's do all this stuff and let's decorate none of which is bad in and of itself um but but to kind of look at that greater truth of what what are we about what are we doing in this season um and you know it's even kind of become its own cliche like Jesus is the reason for the season, you know, it's right. kind of as... Let's put the Christ back in Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it. I like I roll my eyes when I hear it, even though it's right. true. Um, right. I'm just like, well, uh, yeah, which, you know, what does that mean? Like, let's let's watch Hallmark movies instead. Yeah. I don't know. I was it's thinking like about that today. Have you ever seen Jim Gaffigan's sketch on McDonald's? How there's many different kinds of McDonald's and McDonald's... Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Hallmark's, I think, I don't know if he mentions it by name, but I was thinking about Hallmark today. He's like, that is definitely McDonald's. That is a type of McDonald's. It's like super indulgent kind of saccharin. Is this real life? I don't, is it real life? Is what real life? Hallmark. 
What do you mean? What? It exists in That's real true. life. That's true. I, um, <laughs> I, I sometimes, I sometimes, I, I won't, I won't name names, but there's a, a person whom I know who every now and again I get to see who watches Hallmark movies. And every time I catch this person watching Hallmark movies, there's always a strange sort of guilt and and shooing me away as if I'd caught this person doing meth. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you won't tell anybody, will you? No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it while you're here. It's too. There's too much shame. <laughs> um, but that is that. Is, uh, sorry, that was too much of a strong aside. That was a str- no. I think like bring us back, land the plane. What Advent? Advent. Okay, Hallmark. What does it mean? And how do we put Christ back in? And why is it that we have so much emphasis on us putting? Christ back in as if we were the kingmakers, you know, mm. in culture. Like, I can understand, um, like, are you keeping your O, like the old monks who used to ask each other whether they were getting ready for Jesus using the O antiphons for his kingship coming up to Christmas? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. are you keeping your O? That's a great friend to ask, a great question to ask a friend. Are you getting ready for the Lord? It's a gentle question. Like, are you realizing the gift that's coming for you and are you preparing for it? But um, are you, are you, getting a space ready in your heart. But to say like, Jesus is the central decoration on our billboard, our gaudy billboard of holiday season. And we need to put him back in the center rather than off, off center because it looks so dorky. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm using a lot of words to say something very simple. I feel like it's a gift that God is giving us that we're readying ourselves to receive, not something that we have to stage produce better to produce mm. a better emotional effect. Right. Yeah. To, I'm gonna try to like synthesize what I'm hearing you say and, and spit it back out at you. Okay. See see if that makes any sense. Nice. But like, there's a good observation and desire in general for a lot of Christian people who see that this sort of like consumerist commodification of Christmas is bad. Mm-hmm. The first instinct to try to like counter that is to overemphasize like baby jesus in the crib or the manger and like have this kind of like emotional experience of like oh he's so cute (laughs) like let's just tell story let's just like make 17 different versions of the nativity story into tv movies and watch them watch them for all of december uh or like kind of i love the movie elf and i think that like as as like secular stories about christmas it does a really beautiful job but even that, like reducing, you know, the the magnitude of what we've been talking about, where the light enters into darkness, as the sort of like, uh, like abstract, baseless, just belief in goodness that's not attached to any, like, as if like my believing in Jesus would decide whether or not he was real. Right. Right. <laughs> that like that's still closer to the mark, but still not quite there. And like, it seems like the key to the whole thing is Advent. And that that beautiful question that you you asked Jonah is are you getting ready for the Lord? And that that question has all three of those levels. Are you getting ready for the Lord's first arrival for our, our remembrance of it and our celebration of it at the nativity? Are you are you getting ready for the like final second coming eschatologically and like are you getting ready today to pay attention to the way that Christ is inviting you to give him a human nature today. And like all three of those things are part of part of Advent in a particular way that, as you said, like we should always do this all the time, all year round. But during Advent, we're called by the church in a special way to pay special attention to it. 
So with the advent of Advent, uh, (laughs) I have have started my annual rereading of Carol Hauslander's book, The Read of God. (laughs) The Read of God. A book that you gave me and that I finally read last year during Advent and that I will definitely pick up again. It's it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Great. I am I am introducing Jonah to it for the first time this year um, and rereading it. And something that you said just then reminded me of kind of one of the, the major thrusts of that book, um, which has to do with, I mean, it's a book all about Our Lady. Um which makes it sound kind of boring maybe, but it's not. It's like the best book ever. Um, And one of Carol Hauslander's main ideas in that book is that um, Our Lady, in saying yes to being Christ's mother, um, allowed the rest of us to say yes. So like her Mm -hmm. yes was this yes for humanity. and it's the same yes that God is asking of each of us in order for him to take on flesh in the world. That that Our Lady um, didn't, you know, go off and live as a, a nun or take these crazy vows of poverty or do anything. She just actually ended up living her life normally, basically, right? She got married to Joseph. She lived as a carpenter's wife. She raised a son. She did all of these things that would have happened to her. Um, And in saying yes to God through the angel, uh, Christ came into the world. Whoa. Right? And so, like, that same looking within our own lives and saying, like, okay, and Jonah and I were having that conversation this morning in in terms of, like, Advent resolutions, um, the idea of, well, you know, is God asking us to do something extra or to like live a really ascetic life and, you know, fast for this many days and do all of these crazy things that we've decided for ourselves? Or is he asking us to live our vocation as teachers, as spouses, as, you know, sons and daughters to um, just look for Christ where we find him in the world? And to incarnate Christ where we are in the world at any mm-hmm. given moment. I Two things that are popping up in my mind that I'm trying to reconcile are when you were talking, Rob, I was thinking of the movie the, A Quiet Place, which is great for Advent hearing mm. and listening and the, the, the fact that noise can be deadly to our souls. But then when you were talking, Jenny, I was thinking of the prodigal son and, and how it is that sometimes our, um, our rhythms and our habits and our resolutions can get in the way, actually. Of, of hearing the father's voice and I was noticing like the best of intentions I'm trying to I'm trying to wed the two so I'm just going to do the prodigal son first and we'll see if a quiet place creeps back in Rob I'll let you synthesize you're, you're good at that okay but um <laughs> the prodigal son bit it's like a lot of my resolutions for most of my life if not all of my life have been about me trying to take the reins of my own self uh, help project back into my own hands and I was trying to tell myself the things I needed to hear. And if Advent really is about listening and about receiving a gift that God had always wanted to give me, um, I wasn't I wasn't fulfilling it. I, I maybe wasn't the prodigal son who left and like was totally spending myself on tons of dis- dissolute things that I needed to tone back. But I was definitely the older son who was doing all these pious practices, 
but without a real intent of receiving the father's love, who wasn't actually letting his his heart be his heart rhythm be set by the father's heart rhythm, I was still looking for the kind of self-control over my own life that the prodigal son had. I just wanted to do it in a safer way. And so it's, it's mm. very interesting to me, like in this Advent, when I say I want to receive Jesus, like do I actually want to receive Jesus or do I want to receive X amounts of Jesus that I have predetermined fit into my pious life? And uh, that's a challenging question for me this year. So um, yeah, that's that's one of the things I'm wrestling with right now. That's as you were talking about that, I this might be really obvious to everybody else that's listening, including the two of you, but this is the first time that I've made this connection. Um, that the the older son, the older brother, has been like doing all the right things, quote unquote, and has been sort of expecting something in return, even if he wasn't entirely sure what it should be. And that when the younger brother then returns then this is sort of like this crystallization for the older brother of like well i don't know what i wanted but i know it wasn't this (laughs) which is the same sort of thing that happens to jesus with the the leaders of the jewish people at the time right that they've been like waiting for this thing and they don't entirely know exactly what it is but they when they see what they actually get there's this sort of uproar of like well we don't know exactly what we wanted but we know it wasn't this we don't want this take it back and I do the same thing. I was think, talking about this with a friend this weekend about like how how I, after the fact, realized that I had gone about Christmas preparations already this year, that I, being a peak millennial, uh, put together a list on, on Amazon using their list feature and then just shared the list of all of the specific things that I wanted with everybody who asked me what I wanted so that they had the exact link to the exact thing that I had pre-decided. Peak efficiency. Right. Well, it's this sort of like, you know, commodification incarnate. But that that like in my life, I do this to God all the time. And that this is like the way that I pray is like, cool, God, here. Here's my links of exactly what I want. And then, <laughs> as is inevitably the case, I receive a gift that was not on the list of things that I told God I wanted. Then I... I get angry and I object to it and I say, well, I don't really care what you're trying to give me. That's not what I asked for. I don't want it. Take it back. Yeah. Your Ferrari doesn't fit in my, in my garage <laughs> plan. <laughs> right. Or like Jenny said, like you're, you're giving me something that is a simultaneously this sort of cosmic, ridiculous, profound thing where you're giving me yourself. And it's like not, gonna transform my life into some like heroic story that is full of exciting story like exciting moments it might just mean doing the exact same thing that i was going to do before but have that those actions be entirely transformed just because i get to do them with god oh beautiful oh that's so nice (laughs) um i think that I haven't seen A Quiet Place. I really want to see it, and I didn't get around to doing it before school started, which means I was never going to during school year. Um, I'll, I definitely will put it on my list of things to do during Christmas break. But... I'd love to see what you think. What you think of it, especially because it's not actually. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spoil not any of the plot events, but just some people were kind of predicting it like a horror movie, and it's right. actually the anti-horror movie of all the mm. movies I've ever seen. It it almost it completely inverts the formula of the horror movie in like really fundamental ways, I think. And I would love to see what you think about that. Like the eucatastrophe almost about what's revealed about life. Um, it's really beautiful. 
we might have to have another podcast about that in the new year where we, you guys come back on to talk about a quiet place. I'll have to see it first. I didn't go and see it. So yeah, that's right. I, I went alone. I, I'm ashamed. To I love going to the movie theater by myself. Yeah, it is like one of my favorite weird things that I like to do. Maybe I'll meet you there someday. <laughs> well, we <laughs> then we can sit in separate rows yeah. and not talk to each other. <laughs> and it, yeah. And it will be a quieter place because of it. Indeed. <laughs> ah, nice callback. Um, so what are you guys... I mean, you already asked this question once earlier, but I'm going to try to like make it as concrete as I can so that we can't just keep talking around it. What do we do during... like? What will you guys do during Advent to observe or celebrate or whatever? Advent, as opposed to just like getting ready for Christmas in a sort of like commercial or secular or conventional way. What will you do for Advent? Well, mm. that is a great question, Rob. <laughs> yes, it is, Rob. <laughs> um, well, for one thing, we're reading the Read of God, but that's a cop-out answer. It is. Um, thank you <laughs> for affirming. Um, but it's good. Yeah. I think, so, I've been thinking more about this question. Not so much this week, to be honest, because this week was crazy, and now it's Advent all of a sudden, and... I just can't believe it's December. Um, so in terms of concrete thoughts, they have not been much. But what I will say is this. Um, the thing that, well, like what we were talking about before, um, is trying to reassess um, my life in general, our life in general, mm-hmm. and really ask the question, Am I listening for God's voice? Am I allowing space for God in my life? Um, Am I prioritizing um, times of quiet Mm -hmm. and times Mm. of being in the Lord's presence? Mm. Um, And the more and more that I think about those questions, the less and less I'm kind of like, well, I got to do this and this and this and like New Year's resolution kind of thing, um, which is great. And there's nothing wrong, you know, with kind of being jived. That's a new liturgical new year and all of that. Um, But I think it is very easy to make whatever you want to do into this self-help, self-help project. Mm -hmm. Which can be a self-help. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Freudian slip, I guess. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I think just within our our lives, within our our marriage, we've been praying about and and thinking about um, ways that we can better live out the corporal works of mercy. Um, And that's not just an Advent thing. That's like a whole life thing. But now we're in Advent, so I guess it's an Advent thing too. Um, that has a lot to do with our our lack of discipline. We're just gonna, let's let's can we make it real here? Let's be real. <laughs> sure. What were we What were we doing before? before? This said- everything has been a lie. <laughs> um, it was like we're not really disciplined. Like our desires, our desires for Jesus are not routinely, rhythmically expressed in ways other than like at the very end of the day we have a prayer routine, right? And it's a beautiful prayer routine. And we express to each other like our desires to have certain things uh, more present in our life, adoration more in our life to have. um, For me, I know scripture has been knocking on the door of my heart in a big way and the liturgy of the hours and and adoration being the big ones. Uh, This notion that um, 
two things are involved for me personally. And I think uh, I'll let Jenny see whether she agrees that it's the true of our marriage in general. But for me, um, the need to have the Holy Spirit pray for me because my desire to manipulate my own self-help projects is so strong that unless I'm speaking in inarticulate syllables, like the cry of the heart, you know, that the, the Holy Spirit who knows what to say speaks for me. I'm not, I'm not doing this charismatic. I'm not just standing up in adoration chapels and shouting. But really, honestly, sometimes it feels like that and that, that notion of I need to go in and I need to like utterly pour it out before God and I need to let his abyss speak to the abyss of my infinite desires. And I need to let them be infinite and not try to make them finite, practical, concrete, and ownable like the like the older brother who just wants a goat to eat with his friends like i need i need to be able to gaze at him for a while and so that's the the need i need to recognize the need and articulate that need uh, more keenly but then the second part is i need to actually be listening to what he asks me to do so um and that's the part that has to do with the liturgy for me i need to i need to have a rhythm of diving into his word because he's already made his word accessible to me it's like i don't know whether I'm expecting him to give me the New Living Translation, great, you know, point five zero that that no longer that only speaks in my cliches, you know, <laughs> in my analogies, but like he's already made his word like the words of men, and his son has taken on flesh for me, and the notion that I'm like waiting for something more to actually conform myself to that, he's already given me like the perfect on ramp, and I'm just not using it. Um, so like to acknowledge my infinite desires and then to let him form those desires and my, my path towards it. That's, that's the discipline that, that I need. Now, I don't know if I'll, I'll get there by Christmas. Like we have not talked Advent things. It's been busy, but like the busyness has been a kind of gift because ironically, one of the things that we were busy with was a talk about liturgy um, over this past week and we worked on it together. And it was this notion of what's dominating the rhythm of our lives. Is it the world and material concerns as if that defined us? Or does the love of God and the, the um, fatherhood of God calling us to be his children define us? And which one is more dominant in our life? Which one? Which voice are we following? So um, that, I don't know. What do you think, Jenny? Is that the, the, how would you articulate the challenge of our advent? That was basically it. Okay. In very poetic language <laughs> that I'm not going to try to Quoth the Jenny. <laughs> summarize. Good enough. That's be- beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful enough. <laughs> Gosh, thank you guys so much. Um, I find I find our conversations to be really enjoyable and to be really fruitful. Um, and I was very excited about getting to talk to both of you about Advent. I don't know exactly why. I can't put my finger on exactly why, but I I was confident that it would be good, and it is. It's so good. Um, so thank you. Uh, do you have any final Adventian thoughts, Adventesque thoughts, uh, before we transition to our, our other segments? Jesus is really coming. Get ready. <laughs> I my 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 <laughs> challenge to you, Rob, should you choose to accept it, is to ask oh. yourself if you are a continuation of the Jewish people, and if he really fulfilled all the messianic prophecies, including the ones this like the Jews were not ready to have fulfilled in him. What areas of your heart actually need the Messiah to fulfill certain needs? And are you able to acknowledge it so that when he comes, he can come and fulfill all those needs without you resisting? Okay. <laughs> so just, you know. I don't, have, I don't have an answer for that yet. 
or you know, just choose an arbitrary self-help. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna like go back and re-listen to that and transcribe it and put it on a postcard or something. That's, that's <laughs> one of the best challenges I've ever been given. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, hey, and and if we fail, I'll see you at McDonald's and we'll we'll uh... yeah get that double bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> so maybe we'll take it back and and watch a Hallmark movie. Oh my gosh. Um, we don't mean to like totally uh, destroy all people that do enjoy Hallmark. No, no, you're right. That's like, not, no. Perhaps a perhaps a purification of tastes is in order, <laughs> or an increase in charity on my part. Yeah, that's yeah. As with all things in the Christian tradition, perhaps it's both and. <laughs> both and both and. Yep. Oh gosh, do you guys have roses and thorns from this past week or so that you'd like to share? Yeah, yeah. So many roses and thorns. I was thinking about this in preparation for our podcast. Um, This entire week has kind of been a thorn. Mm. Uh, My car would not start on Monday. Praise the Lord that, you know, my parents live close by and my mom came and picked me up and like there wasn't anything majorly wrong with my car. Um, I took a sick, we both took a sick day on Tuesday, um, and if we're feeling crummy all week, and my grades were all due on Thursday, and um, Jonah was giving a talk on Friday. So it's just been a very crazy week, and like every day was a new discovery of my own finitude um, and my own inability to be self-sufficient. So... With that came numerous roses Mm. uh, of being reminded again and again and again that I have so many people in my life who are looking out for me and caring for me and um, adjusting deadlines for me and just showing God's love to me in a really profound way. So, um, yeah, uh, it's been a, a crazy week, but good good to rediscover my own humanity yeah that, mm. those would be my roses and thorns that's beautiful by the way thank you jenny jenny is really really cute when she's humiliated oh <laughs> she's like a, a clear pool like there's no ripples on the pool she's just like i'll just be what god made me and there's just like all the beauty just shines through there's like nothing at all in the way it's really great humility is super attractive ladies out there Hum- humility, super attractive. Um, <laughs> um, but the, the second, this, oh my, oh man, my part. I did, yeah, I was going to say, I, we weren't prepared for uh, that that direction on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll add it to our notes. Pre-Christmas <laughs> gift. Oh my gosh. Ladies, wondering what to get your man for Christmas? <laughs> humility. Uh, how about some humility? <laughs> that might come off wrong. I'm yeah. That will come off very wrong. <laughs> Guys, you know what will, will look great on your wives? humiliation no no it's just um my thorns would be um a lot of also learning my finitude but not not in the same way like i have plenty of i have plenty of deadlines that that people are patient with me on but what really jumped out at me is um how i relationally deal with people like i don't i feel like sort of like a two-trick pony I don't feel completely like a one-trick pony but i'm a two-trick pony i have like certain modes of dealing with stress and anger and disappointment, and um, they come. I'm I'm convicted from not spending enough time meditating on 
the passion, which sounds like all pious and over devotional, but I think it's really true. Like I've been shying away from identifying with Christ and his passion, wanting to believe that I could focus more on sort of the more uplifting parts or the more externally uplifting parts of him. But there's like all this depth of richness, learning how to love in a nuanced way, like in a, in a totally real, legit way out of suffering and disappointment that he shows us in the passion and I've just been neglecting. And so even when I'm trying to react well to some of my students, because I'm a teacher too, who, who are not doing well, or if a family member or someone close to me does something that I, I'm disappointed in, like I have a very short list of, of um, weapons ready to hand because I'm just not practicing any of the virtues. I'm not familiar with the kind of charity um, that, that God exemplifies in his passion. So that's been a thorn for me is to recognize how narrow my scope is there. And then the rose would be, um, he's there and he hasn't given up on me yet, which is pretty great. It's awesome, in fact. And the sort of the silver lining of saying, okay, if, if I've thought that this was a liability, this part of the faith was a liability and I've been avoiding it all this time, and it's actually not. Uh, the glorious adventure of starting out on that and saying, oh my, mm. I, I've like, I have a really epic adventure coming up, which is Jonah stars in Meditating on the Passion, part one, <laughs> you know, and the noise, like you pick up elf swords and like magical staffs and all sorts of things in, in this, in this quest, because like, you're like, oh my gosh, what on earth is the crowning with thorns? And, and what what's being shown in the crucifixion. And man, I, I stumbled onto a group of people praying the rosary just on Friday when I was super stressed and they were praying the sorrowful mysteries. Mm. And I just got in for the last one and it was the fruit of this mystery is perseverance. And it just hit me like a wave, like, my gosh, each one of these things has like a magical strength packet at the bottom of this mystery. And I've been avoiding them. And there's all of this really good marrow in these, in these bones uh, to suck. Oh, oh my. <laughs> that's so cool yeah i was thinking as you were as you were talking before you you brought it home to the rosary i was thinking about how without the sorrowful mysteries the rest of the mysteries sort of seem empty or trite or lose their fruit in some way the, and the fruit of the the fruit of the sorrowful mysteries is like perseverance and compassion and, and patience and these things hmm. thank you both gosh that was beautiful how about you Rob? Um, Rob, roses yeah. and thorns i was uh, yeah i got you uh so i also well first of all um this is my second year at the school where I'm teaching, but it's my first as a full-time teacher and so last year I was also a part-time campus minister which gave me a lot of freedom to kind of like roam around the building and uh, interact with different teachers during their planning periods. And I was able to then, because of that, uh, form friendships with a lot more people than I probably would otherwise have been able to. Um, and I kind of took it for granted because I didn't realize that it was not normal, I guess. But this year as a full-time teacher, I've like really missed being able to hang out with um, other teachers and, and, those friendships that began last year, about a lot of them have just sort of been left hanging where we, we left them in, in June. Um, and so this week I got to have dinner with uh, a couple of my, of my really close friends from, from work and then see them again on, on Friday. I, I made them dinner because I was also having car troubles and 
my coworker's husband, Greg, fixed my car for me. And so I made them dinner as a thank you for that on Wednesday. And then on Friday, we were at a brewery watching another former coworker uh, who <laughs> plays in a band um, of seminarians and priests and like ex-seminarians. And it was very fun. They were playing at a brewery and it was a lot of fun. Um, so that was my rose. It's like getting to spend some quality time with, with those friends outside of work, um, which I haven't, I've been missing a lot this fall. Yeah. Yeah. We've noticed you haven't come over and, uh, and, and visited us at our new apartment. And we're wondering, <laughs> did we do something, I, Rob, to offend you? You decided to live in Minnesota. Ah, cold. <laughs> which is not offensive, but just sort of a logistical problem since I live in Ohio. That's fair. That's true. <laughs> I will be home for like 10 days around Christmas time, which is much closer to where, where you guys are. I'll be in, in Des Moines. We are hoping to see Michelle Gallaud sometime during the Christmas break, perhaps. Ah, well, perhaps we can all have one great gathering. Mm, a convergence. Yes. Mm. I like that. What's your thorn, Rob? I was going to say, I got to get back to the thorn, too. Uh, I had a very difficult but um, fruitful but painful conversation with a, a dear friend yesterday. Um, that was like a long time coming. Mm-hmm. and needed to happen but was i think something that each of us were kind of afraid of of leaning into and therefore kind of procrastinated and um yeah it's a thorn because it it hurts a lot but like jonah's question about the crown of thorns like somehow there's still it's still something redemptive in it and a sort of clarity that god is is here too Mm-hmm. Even even where it hurts. Wow. Yeah. That's deep. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me too. Do y'all have shout outs? Oh, shout outs. Uh, product placement. Do you product do you do product <laughs> placement down here for We don't currently, but like maybe we could try it and see if they'll pay us after the fact. That's how advertising works, right? Let's do oh, our really? let's do our shout outs that way, but let's just make a product out of the people's names. <laughs> Galad bites. <laughs> uh, um, no, I got no, okay, nothing. I got nothing either. We'll, we'll skip that for All now. Right. What are your shout outs? Who do you want to shout out? To uh, I want to shout out to Thomas Berman, who doesn't yet listen to this podcast, but I hope will. Ooh. Good, good friend, great man, works very hard. Thomas Berman. Thomas, we, we're glad that you finally chosen to listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume that you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, who do I want to shout out to? Shouts to all of the people who showed me God's love this week. Um, my parents Dang. in particular for mm. letting me borrow their car again mm. um, and for fixing my car again. Um, my, my fellow coworkers who show me love on the reg and uh, my dear husband oh, who's, who's sitting next to me um, is is God's love incarnate to well, me. See, so. This is the problem because I was going to say my dear wife after this and now it's going to sound like just a mutual compliment. <laughs> Stole your thunder. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Um, I would also like to shout out Michelle Galad, yes. uh, who I had the esteemed privilege to have a long phone conversation with uh, the other day, which was delightful. Um, and I always go away from our conversations with like a little more zest for life. 
Um, and a mm, lot of, mm. a lot of like maybe unreasonable resolutions for my life. Um, but really beautiful, really beautiful to have long distance friends, um, who keep up the friendship and, and I am very grateful. So well, we should, Michelle. the glod bites are the things that needed to come out of here. It's the sound bite spelling. Like there is nourishing as actually getting a full meal. Mm. Right. <laughs> well done. Well done. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yes, good. Well done. <laughs> I I think that I'd be remiss then if we don't also shout out Tom and Paul. Uh, it's true. It's because every time that I every time that I see Michelle, I get to talk to you. It makes me miss the other two of them more. It's mm. really true. Um, those that, that for those of you who might not know, that was our entire Utah community during Echo. Um, I hear through the grapevine that this coming summer will be potentially another reunion year for echo. Um, so there might be a chance for us to reconvene at the hallowed grounds of Notre Dame this summer, which would be a delight. That would be a um, delight. I also want to shout out Carol Houselander, even though she definitely won't hear this. But uh, maybe, Carol, maybe, but, but maybe, <laughs> I guess maybe, um, <laughs> but what a beautiful, uh, artist and, uh, even though she, I don't know if she wrote poetry or not, the, the prose that she writes is still poetic somehow uh, and has led me into a deeper understanding of who Christ is and how he works through me. So praise God for uh, that book that you mentioned, which we'll link to in the description probably so people can find it. Nice. And for our mother, Mary, and you know, all those things. Well, thank you guys uh, for, for joining me today. Um, thank you, you, whoever you are, for listening. Once again, we're li- let your life echo. Uh, echo Please. Echo. echo. Ooh. Oh, echo, echo, echo. Yeah, sound effects. New, new sound effects this week. Um, please let us know what you think of the show. Uh, if you have questions or ideas or, or feedback, um, you can leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or other places that you find your, your podcasts. Please also like and subscribe um, you can also email us at let your life echo podcast at gmail.com that's let your life echo podcast all uh, one word no spaces at gmail.com and you can follow us on twitter at let your life echo podcast special thanks again to both jenny and jonah for joining me today this has been a delight um, and please check us out again next week cool bye y'all bye That's great.